Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God from Jeremiah 31. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This is God's word. There is the God you don't know and the God that you do know. In theology, we refer to that as God who is hidden and God who is revealed. But to just make it easier, think of it as the God you don't know and the God that you do. And of course, they are one and the same God and God and his Infinite majesty and power and might. There's a lot to him. There's a lot to him that we don't know. Why? Does he let it snow in the middle of April? And does he dislike North Dakota even more? Where they've had 30 inches of snow this week. Seriously, though, I received a text from one of our members who works three weeks in North Dakota and then one week off comes back home. He sent me a text shortly before I came to the church and said, pray for the ranchers who are losing their calves and are having their livelihoods destroyed by this snowstorm. Why them? We don't know. Why do some suffer and not others? Why do children get cancer and die? When will this world we're in end? Why do we go through the things that we go through? And why do I have to go through some things that some of you don't? And why do others of you have to go through things that I'll never know about? We don't know. It's hidden. It's the God. We don't know. He hasn't told us. But there is, of course, the God we do know who has revealed himself to us that he does indeed care for this creation and still continues to act within it. The sun rises, no matter how many clouds cover it up, it's still there warming our earth, making it fit for habitation. The rain still falls, as Jesus would remind us, on the good and the evil alike, watering the ground allowing the crops to grow. God reveals himself by giving us his holy word, the scriptures, where he speaks to us, where his voice is there to communicate with his people. And of course, he reveals himself in the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the one who suffers and dies for us. God had made himself known to his people in large part in the Old Testament by prophets. By men who were chosen to receive the word of God and then deliver it to his people. One of the very first such prophets 
God had chosen was Moses, who led the people Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and brought them to the mountain, to Mount Sinai, where God made a promise. He calls it a covenant. Now, a covenant is a promise that's sealed by blood, at least when God makes a covenant. In fact, in the Bible, it literally says that God cuts a covenant. So when you read in Jeremiah 31, it says that God made a covenant with Israel. It actually literally says that God cut a covenant. And what was cut was an animal of sacrifice. And at Mount Sinai, after God had given his law, his words to the people of Israel, the leaders, the elders of Israel gathered on the mountain along with Moses and the sacrifices were offered and the blood was sprinkled upon the people. Why does God like blood? We don't know. That's hidden. But we do know is that the blood sealed the covenant. God was faithful. Israel would be his people. Israel knew the Lord. They knew him because he spoke with them. They knew him because he dwelt with them. That was part of their worship and part of their system of sacrifice that they would bring their offerings And burn their incense right there in the presence of the Lord himself in his tabernacle. I was their husband, the Lord says. And that was my covenant that they broke. If you think a covenant sounds a lot like a marriage, it is. Though I'm sure blood was not shed at your marriage, and God grant it has not been shed any days since your marriage vows, God marked his promise to Israel with blood. They would know him. And nonetheless, they rejected him. And so God, through Jeremiah, promises a new Covenant. Now, by new, we shouldn't in some way think that it makes the old one just irrelevant, that it somehow has nothing to do with what comes after it. No, this new covenant that God would bring about in Israel would be an even greater and better fulfillment of what was there in the old covenant. You see, there would still be blood, it would still be for Israel. They would still know him and he would still be a husband to them. But he says, this will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. They shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. You see, it's God's will that not just Israel should know him but that all should know him. That all should know the Lord who would be a husband to his people. The new 
covenant of which Jeremiah speaks is the one that's found in Jesus' body and blood. And you heard Jesus say it himself in our gospel for tonight. This, this bread and wine that he gives to his disciples, this is the new testament, the new covenant in my blood. The covenant is still cut. The sacrifice must still be made. It's made in Jesus who is given for you this very night. You see, the Lord gives us his holy supper for this purpose, that we would know him, him who would be a husband to his people, to his church. And indeed, the scriptures call Jesus the bridegroom and we the church are his bride. And yes, if you think that language is sounding a little bit, well, intimate, it's meant to. You know the Lord your God in the supper he gives you where he gives all of himself, his body and his blood for you. If you want to know God better, if you want to know the God who made heaven and earth, if you want to know the God who leaves so much hidden from us, come know him in the body and blood of Jesus given to you this evening. Know the God who forgives. Know the God who is merciful. They shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. We come to the table to know the Lord who has loved us fully and totally and completely by giving his life into death. But isn't it beautiful how the Lord God at the end of our texts talks about what he doesn't know? It's not that he doesn't know. It's that he chooses not to. Last night in confirmation, I talked with the kids about how God is omniscient, all-knowing. He does indeed know all things. And yet, he says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. When the blood of Jesus Christ is shed for you, it is as though your sin was never there. For not even God remembers it. As the psalmist says in Psalm 103, our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. In other words, as far as your mind can even begin to comprehend. This is the God who invites you to know him in the new covenant. In the body and blood given for you this very night.
given for you routinely here in your church where we gather around this body and blood week in and week out. Know your Lord. Know the one who loves you fully and totally and completely. Know Jesus whose love is perfect and whose love is present with his very body and with his very blood. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.